I'm walking all alone down my yellow brick road and I stomp to the beat of my own drum. I got my pockets full of dreams and they're busting at the seams. Going Welcome to Stacked Keys Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Stackhouse. This is a podcast to feature women who are impressive in the work world or in raising a family or who have hobbies that make us all feel encouraged. Want to hear what makes these women passionate to get up in the morning or what maybe they wish they'd known a little bit earlier in their lives? Grab your keys and stomp to your own drum. Today I have an incredible guest, one that I have known for many years, knew her as a young child, and so I've watched her kind of grow up a bit. So today I have Jade Williams, who is um, from the Bahamas. Welcome, Jade. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Nice to have, nice to be here. Well, I'm delighted to have you. So tell me, Jade, if you were to introduce yourself to someone today, both professionally or personally, how do people know, Jade? It depends where I'm being introduced. Um, if it's in more of a, like you say, professional setting, it's, she's quiet. <laughs> um, she works hard, but she's quiet and you don't get much out of her when it comes to like getting out of the box. That's about it. But if you're talking about my church family, she's out there. I am very vocal in everything that I do. Um, and if you're talking to my family, yeah, I'm interesting. So it all depends on where I'm at, who's asking the question, what the questions are for. And that's how you get different sides of Jade. I don't know. The many facets of Jade. Mm -hmm. So tell me where you are now and what you are doing uh, currently in your life. Okay, so currently I am attending the University of Texas at Tyler in Texas. I am in my final senior year and I'm getting ready to graduate in May with a Bachelor of Science in Civil Engineering. So that's what I'm doing right now. Those that know me know how long I've been trying to finish school and even get this far. So, and I'm sure we'll get into that during this conversation as well. Yeah, we definitely <laughs> will because um, that is definitely something that is important to you and your family and you have pathways and, and determination. So I do, I do want to talk about that. Um, so that's where you are currently and you're the only one of your family who's no, your brother is, is still yeah. stateside. So, so where is everybody? Everybody's kind of, where? Okay. So immediate family, my mom and my dad on the Turks and Caicos Islands. My brother is here in Arkansas. My sister and her family is in Grand Bahama. And I'm here in Tyler, so we're no one's the same place. And that gets rough sometimes too, but hey, that's how it's been probably for the past 
seven years probably plus yeah yeah because Paige was over and you were back home and so right. it's kind of a what's the toughest part of that jade i, I know there have been times where it's been harder than others so mm -hmm. what's the toughest part to being that far away from family um i guess it's the fear of missing out on different like lifelong journeys and accomplishments that's one of them um the negative side of it is when things do happen you can't be there for family and really not like i say is missing out like for example my sister just had a baby and it, i was this close from not making it home for the birth of the baby but things worked out and i was able to be home another example was as you know the hurricane that was the most difficult thing for me to do being here um, hair and your family struggling and knowing that you weren't getting any updates. That was always difficult because I'm not there. So I guess that's the good and the bad of it as well. Yeah. But you were able to take that hurricane situation and do some things that you couldn't have done had you been in the Bahamas. Right. So tell me about that. <laughs> okay. So it was interesting. Like you said, if I were home, I wouldn't even have done it. But as far as communication went, I was literally the only person that people were able to communicate with. So I was type, I was like that, that in between that middle man. So persons in Abaco trying to communicate with persons in Freeport, trying to communicate with persons in Freeport. So I was getting um, text messages and phone calls. Hey, tell them we're okay. Hey, tell them this is where we're at. So that was kind of the role I was playing. I didn't see it as anything during it because I'm not, I'm just like, there's nothing else I can do. I feel helpless at this point. So I didn't see it as much until afterwards. They were like, no, you helped us tremendously because you weren't hearing from anybody and you were the only person we could contact. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was driving you um, a little bit hard though. I mean, you were going 24 hours a day. I, I remember there were times you had not slept. Right. Um, from worry and from communicating and, Mm -hmm. and uh just all of those efforts so um but you've grown up in hurricanes so mm -hmm. it is it any kind of big deal to you or or is everyone a big deal um my i guess thought process and the way i handle hurricanes has changed since last year before time it was just like oh, okay it's another hurricane we know what we have to do we know how to prepare for it we're used to it and then seeing how horrible this one was and how much chaos and how much things were destroyed and lives were lost, it changed my perspective entirely on hurricanes. So much to, when I was home during the summer, there was a tropical storm passing and it had the capability of forming into a category one hurricane. I didn't tell them I was afraid, but <laughs> I was afraid because I was like, wait, this cannot be another dorian about to happen yeah. um so in that aspect my mindset changed when i was a child i used to be excited for hurricanes because it meant no school but of course you get older you become an adult and it's like no that's foolishness we don't want any hurricanes we lose yeah. our homes lives are lost families separated so yeah no yeah growing up does put a little bit different spin on things that we just thought were breaks um but um, but y'all have been through a, a number of hurricanes, and then 
also one of the things that you did while you were here was coordinated some mm -hmm. items going back, going mm -hmm. back to the Bahamas. So, and your campus got involved. So tell me about that. So more so was it Hurricane Matthew? We had some car washes and persons donated some items to send back to the Bahamas. That was, that was pretty, it was small, but it was big for the four behemoths that are here in Tyler. So that was a sense of pride knowing that we could help send things back to our home countries, whether it was canned goods or monies. Yeah. So. All right. So you lead right into the, here you are coming to the United States to get your education. And there may be one or two people, four people from your country. What is it like to come into a country where you have such a different life than what you're coming into for your studies? What does that feel like? Um, sometimes I feel alone. And then other times I feel frustrated. Sometimes I use it as a way to educate those around me. And sometimes it's just like, you know what? Whatever. They don't even care. <laughs> so well, that's a whole range I, of emotion. Yeah, it is. You know, it, it depends on, I guess, how people interact when they hear my accent or yeah. So it'll be times where you would have something like, Oh, you have an accent. Where are you from? And we do have a lot of Africans here in Tyler. And actually most of my friends who have become so close to being here are the Africans. I don't know why, <laughs> but the first question would be like, oh, so you're from Africa? And I'm like, no, I know I have an accent, but it's not an African accent, I'm sorry. And then I go into the whole, well, I'm from the Bahamas. Oh, Jamaica, no Bahamas. <laughs> and so I then have to go into explaining to them, showing them a map, you know what Florida is, and then go into the whole nine yards of explaining. And then I have explaining the different cultures and all, and the way how I speak, the way how you speak, what I'm used to, what you're used to. And then for me as well, it is a learning experience because it is sort of a culture shock coming from a small island to such a big country yeah. um things are moving much more faster here than it would actually at home um that's what else what else what else as simple as i would walk into a classroom and i'd say morning and no one would answer me and i'd be like so why are they not answering me and then i'm like jane you're not home where every time you walk away so you have to say good morning good afternoon stuff like that so that's different as well um uh. what else what else what else it's been interesting sharing the Bahamian culture with my friends, whether it be things that we do back home and even foods. Every time I try to come back, I try to bring seafood with me. So it'd be like, hey, I cooked some fried fish. I cooked this. You want to try it? And they've been really accepting about it. But coming from little country to big country, I don't feel it as much here in Tyler because Tyler has a population of probably a hundred thousand people, if that much. <laughs> yeah. So it's, so it's not small. as big. Right. It's not. A, it's not as big, and my classrooms are pretty small as well. So it's not. It's not that bad. It's more so of people learning that oh, you don't live here. I'm like no, I don't live here, and then explains them that whole process. Yeah. Well, and. Coming to a small town, 
is it unusual for there to be a, such an international population at your university or is that commonplace no it is unusual it is unusual because you would have many students that don't know that we have an international body on campus we have an international yeah. house on campus you have many students who don't know that they just automatically and it's no fault of theirs and they automatically assume that oh i know you have an accent but i just thought you were american but yeah. it is unusual and i would say that ut tyler since i came up until now they have been making a big difference in, in their presence known by having different activities on campus and having trivias things like that yeah well mm -hmm. it's a huge opportunity i always saw that with becca and um, her getting involved in the international community and then um, at college. And then um, Isaac had a roommate from England and it just changed, it you know, just opened up the world. And, and I would say to Ollie, how did you wind up in Kentucky? I mean, <laughs> you, you just take your finger and go, boom, I'll go there. So yeah, how, did you, yeah. Yeah, how did you wind up? where you are okay so i was back at home attending the college now it's called university of the bahamas but i was back home attending the college of the bahamas this is after my turks and caicos schooling i was attending college of the bahamas and i was doing the civil engineering technology at this point i'm being encouraged no you gotta finish school you gotta finish you gotta go back and i'm like but it's hard. I can't get the money. No one's giving me a scholarship. I can't go. So finally, Paige was like, you know what? You took a year off already. Let's try to get you back in school. And that's how I ended up at College of the Bahamas. While I was there, I, it was only an associate program there for civil engineering technology. And then I was attending church as well while I was there in Nassau. I was in Nassau while I was in Nassau as well. And I was praise dancing, and I don't know, I'm a praise dancer as well. So wherever I'm at, whatever church I go to, I try to plug in myself. So I was praise dancing with a older lady and some other girls. And she was like, what's your major? And I was like, oh, civil engineering technology. Ultimately, I just want to do civil engineering because there's a difference. And she's like, oh, really? She's like, well, my little sister is in Tyler, Texas, studying civil engineering. She's at the junior college right now. but..." she's getting much more experiences and she's um expanding herself and i was like oh okay i just brushed it off as everyone tells me oh you should go to this school you should go to that school but yeah. no one's saying here's the money or this right. is how you get the money to go to this school so i was like yeah okay cool whatever and so the next semester came about and she was like did you look into it yet she was like look into it and i was like you know what let me actually look into it and so I looked into Tyler and I looked into Tyler Junior College at the time. That's where I started off here. And I think, you know what? It makes sense to be doing this. I'd just be getting my associates in engineering. But at the same time, when it'd be time for me to transfer to the four-year school that I'm at now, UT Tyler, it's easier. I'm saving money. I can get more scholarships easier. And so that's what I did. I did all of my research. And before I even told um, Daddy them, I was like, let me make sure I have all my ducks in a row first before I tell them, okay, I'm not attending College of the Bahamas anymore. I'm going to go to work and save money to go to um, Tyler Junior College. So 
that's what I did eventually. That's what I did. And yeah. daddy, of course, support system, family support system is everything. Daddy and mommy, of course, was like, okay, it sounds like you got it all together. So I didn't return back to college of the Bahamas. I didn't tell anyone outside of close family and friends what I was doing because that just was going to raise plenty of questions. And so, yeah, I didn't tell much persons what was happening. I just stopped attending and I got a job and I was working and all the money that I had, it was getting ready to go into wards, me returning, well, not returning, me moving to the state to start school. Yeah. So about, I started working at the company in February or March and I was doing pretty well at the company and I didn't even tell anyone there why I was there, what the plan was. I didn't say anything until probably like the last month. I'm like, well, look guys, I'm only doing this because I'm getting ready to go off to school. And the persons that I worked with, they were very supportive as well of me because they wanted people to go and get their degrees. So I did that. And around August, I had everything lined up. I had um, my visa sorted out. Um, the money was there. The money was there. Um, so I was able to start TJC. Starting TJC. Wow. That's how I started. Yeah, that's how I was able to start TJC. And then while I was at TJC, I was able to become a resident assistant on campus. So housing then became free that the first semester I was in. So that was a blessing. We didn't have to worry about paying for housing or anything of that sort or my meal plan. So it was just really paying tuition and fees. While at TJC, I got a scholarship from TJC as well. So it was all walking in on faith, trusting God, working hard. Um, and then I graduated from TJC in May 2018 with my associates in engineering. Then once again, getting ready to transfer down to UT Tyler. I wasn't able to start right away at UT Tyler. I had to take a semester off, go back to Turks and Caicos. And that alone was hard for me because I'm like, uh-oh, I'm returning to this place that I left in 2013. People are expecting me to be someplace by now. People are expecting me to have my life together. So that was hard. That was a humbling experience for me. But okay. I got through it. I got through it, but I also enjoyed it at the same time, too. Yeah. Um, Cause I was home with yeah, daddy and mommy at the time. So that was good. Yeah. And then I was at Turks. Like, so I was there for like a full semester from August up until January. I was there at Turks and Caicos until it was time to finally <laughs> come back to UT Tyler. And thank God I got a scholarship from the government at this point and another scholarship from um, another company. So it was just God saying, just wait, I got you chill out. The yeah. whole the whole experience for me was very humbling from graduating high school up until now was very humbling. And it was an eye opener that I can't rush anything, nothing's in my time. Yeah. And here I am, about to graduate <laughs> next year, me. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I wanna dig back just a little bit because you didn't just grow those faith wings by yourself. <laughs> so is this part of how you were raised is this what you saw lived out i mean how did you how'd you know how to rely on faith and hard work well i think it all goes back to me being a little girl i was four or five years old sending those mission trips um in alabama being raised around 
godly parents around, godly family members being rooted in church, seeing um, older people exercise faith and actually seeing physical evidence of faith, like actually seeing, not just seeing, reading the Bible and this is what happened, but actually being here, living in the flesh and seeing that acting out and like you said, faith, it, it grows. It starts off with the little things. You trust God, and then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And so, no, it did not happen overnight for me. I tell people that my story now came from a lot of tears, <laughs> a lot of praying, a lot of frustration, a lot of saying, I give up. I don't want to do it anymore. So, yeah, that's how it happened. But like you say, it didn't start overnight. I, would, I owe everything to those mission trips at all as well. Although I was a very young child, I was still observing. I was still watching. Although I was going to the zoo and having fun. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we were we were expanding our <laughs> cultural base. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, but but you're right. I mean, in the very beginning of our relationship of of meeting you, um we were teaming together to bring something different to Montgomery, Alabama and to do ministry together and how that looked missions. One Oh one is think of how it's going to be plan and prepare and then put all that aside because it's not what you think. Right. So, right. Um, you know, that's, that's a lot of what we experienced. Um, I will never forget you looking at me. You came here the very first time and you had chicken pox within a day or two after your arrival mm -hmm. and you mm -hmm. came home with me and I, you know, we were talking about cultural things here. When you get the chicken pox, you take an oatmeal bath. And so I told you I was going to put you in oatmeal and you looked at me like I was some alien, but <laughs> there were probably a number of things that you looked at me like that. I mean, I also, I said something to you about, um, so can you see the water from where you live? And you look at me like, I live on an island lady. Yes, I can see the water, but here we don't. And so I applaud you for being able to share um, foods, customs, mannerisms, with the people that you're coming in contact with, um, it expands their lives. So, um, so I appreciate it. And I'm also thankful to all of my American friends, those I had from 1999-ish kind of song. Ish, yeah. Up to now, yeah. Probably a yeah. little bit before then. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's been a long time. I think we came up with it the other day when I was talking to um, Paige. But you know, I talked to your sister recently, mm -hmm. so she'll be on a podcast that people will hear before um, they hear this one. Mm -hmm. But she said that you came home this time, and you were able to take her and really <laughs> put some guidance into her to be grateful and thankful <laughs> and put priorities in line and mm -hmm. and be joyful even though her circumstances were not how she wanted them to be and mm -hmm. planned and 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 how they came into parenting during covid mm -hmm. so um so you came in and had a bit of a, a fresh perspective can do you 
Have you reflected uh, on any of that? Um, she hinted that she said something along those lines to me, but she didn't go in depth. So yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, interesting enough, like everyone knows my sister is my entire world. Yeah. <laughs> we are we are best friends. Like if you see Paige, you see me, you see me, you see Paige, everyone knows that. Um, I always look up to my sister, like she's my superhero, my idol. Um, so the fact that I was able to be of any sort of help, I was thankful for because I always wanted an opportunity to pay back what she's done for me. Like she sacrificed, like my schooling, half of that goes to her because she sacrificed a lot for me to be here. Um, and I always get Terry and I talking about it. Um, but yeah, so when I went home, it was like, all right, Jade, she's having a baby. She needs help. What do you need to do? And so that was my way of trying to give back, although I know that I could never repay her. That was my way of trying to help her. Um, And plenty of people don't know. Me and my sister fight like cat and dog, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Like cat That brings out the best. We had a whole big blowout that my same trip home that plenty of people don't even know about. Like... It was horrible. Like we weren't talking to you. It was horrible. But we got stuff off our chest and we were able to get closer as a result of that. And so I'm thankful for that experience as well. But yeah, me being who, I don't think I did anything, but I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. So that that leads me into a little bit of something I want to uncover for, for people. When we're talking about siblings and relationships and Christians, you know, is it always piece of cake, easy, you know, just, I mean, so what makes it okay for us to have the disputes and the things that we go through as siblings from, from an outsider looking in, how do we say, okay, that's all right. That's all right for us to be working through. I think at the end of the day, it all comes down to when you're saying things or having an argument, which place is it coming from? Is it coming from hate? Is it coming from love? Is it coming from jealousy? Where is it coming from? And when you say things, you always have to remember, that's my sister. I still love my sister. So from the outside looking in, I would say also that came with years of growing up together, experience, love. Daddy and mommy always beat me in the dark heads. I don't care how, how mad you are. That's your sister. Like, I do not care. That's your sister. You have no one else but your sister. And my brother as well. My brother didn't grow up with us in the same household. We only got as close as we were now as Paige and I became adults. We took it upon ourselves. Like, okay, we're brothers and sisters. We need to actually bond. Yes, Rashad. Rashad came into our life. I think I was... In primary school, that's elementary school. Paige mm-hmm. was in high school when she met Rashad. When, when we officially knew Rashad was our brother. Um, that's as far as that goes. So Rashad came on the trips. That was about it. He would spend some time with us, but was never there to actually bond with us, per se. So we only got our bonding experience when we went to Arkansas for the first time in 2014 when Beck oh, yeah, Beck and Tori joined you, yeah. Right. So, this will bond all the siblings, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. 
<laughs> so that's when we actually got our first real bonding experience as adults and we love we enjoyed that trip and then from yeah. then on yeah my even me being in texas every break i have i'm in arkansas with my brother like it's a joy going to see him and be with him and spend time with janita and the boys like that's my brother he'd be like hey he'll call me what you doing i'm like how you call me before i called you so that's the level we're at now and then he and i we have disagreements as as well not like me and Paige because our relationship with rashad is a little bit different but yeah. We have disagreements, we work through it, and we say, you know what, I love you anyway, and that's that. So yeah. it all comes back down to love and what our parents instilled in us. Yeah. So did your parents, when when you were growing up, did they make you hug and um, <laughs> get get on beyond something, or you know, um, did they did they just let y'all completely work it out? Yeah, just work it out. Um, it would come times and our arguments, and I'd be like, I hate you. I'm like, ah, ah, don't say that. You don't hate her. That's a very strong word. You don't hate her. You find something else to say. You don't say you hate your sister because you don't hate your sister. So from then, I would know, ooh, don't use the H word. That's a bad word because I yeah. don't know. Um, but no, it was more so of work it out, y'all sisters. Yeah. So mm-hmm. fair fight rules, those mm-hmm. kind of things. So, mm-hmm. which that's pretty healthy to, to go. I mean, there's no way, I don't know if you've done any Enneagram studies and, you know, that's like the hot topic of these personality studies and, mm-hmm. you know, understanding what personality somebody else has. And, mm-hmm. but I just know that, um, like within my girls, I have a peacemaker. I have one who's mm-hmm. really strong. And I have one who's like oblivious. Right. So, you know, I mean, you've got those personalities and together Mm -hmm. they kind of know their roles and what, what they do within the family. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about some traditions. What's Christmas like for Jade? Christmas has changed as well for me. (laughs) (laughs) But Christmas usually is, uh, if we're celebrating with my daddy's side, the William side of the family, it's usually everyone getting together and going by Auntie Betty. Um, the children would open up their gifts. We would eat a lot of food, lots and lots and lots and lots of food, and sing Christmas carols. That's a traditional Williams Christmas. And then we play games in the backyard all day. Um, if I'm celebrating with my mommy's side of the family, it's not as traditional. It's more so of whether I'm in Nassau with my Grammy or spending time with my grandfather who passed away, fam- I mean, in West End. So because mommy, her parents aren't, weren't married, it's a little bit different because it's two sets of families that you now have to work with. So... The d- traditional side more so would be the William side. Like I say, singing Christmas carols. When we were younger, we used to hate it because Auntie Joy would bring the book. <laughs> She'd have a book of <laughs> Christmas carols. And we'd be like, oh, we got to sing these Christmas carols. But now we're older. We look forward to singing those Christmas carols. And everybody harmonized. And we'd be the singers. Okay, when it's time to sing? When it's time to sing? But yeah. that's, that's usually what Christmas is about for us. Oh, fun. Okay. So doing school, are you able to go home at Christmas? Is that, 
Yeah. Does that work into your plan? I haven't had a time where I was not able to go home. And I'm so thankful because I don't know what I would have done. Um, yeah. This upcoming Christmas, I don't know the plans is yet with all this COVID stuff going around. I don't know if the borders are open back home. I yeah. was only able to leave home this time because I came home with a private channel. But so I don't know what the plan is this year. I mean, worst case scenario, and it's not even a worst case scenario. I'll be with my brother and his family in Arkansas. Like I say, yeah. it's a win-win yeah. as well for me. Yeah. Well, and COVID has made quite a difference. I mean, in school, are, are, are your classes in class or are you doing virtual or how is that? Okay. Um, so I'm having hybrid classes at the moment hybrid. and it's driving me crazy. Really? What's the tough yeah. part about that? Um, which days I'm in class, which days I'm online. And I'm taking, yeah, I'm taking about 18 hours this semester. It's a headache trying to figure out, okay, I was in person last time. So this time I go in person. Let me check the schedule before I go. And then I also work on campus as well. So it'll be times where I have no in-person classes, but I still have to go on campus because I have to work. So that's why I said it's getting a little bit overwhelming and crazy for me managing whether yeah. I'm whether I'm not in person what's happening whether this is going to be a live zoom session or it's a pre-recorded video so yeah yeah okay now engineering that is that pretty tough to to handle engineering classes I mean uh, English and history no big deal but is engineering something that it's a lot easier to be in person with the professor? So I am an in-person learner. I need to yeah. professor's face. I need to be sitting down with the professor. Um, but yeah, engineering, it is, it is, it is tough, but I like it. I like the challenge, but at the same time, I'm like, Oh my God, you're so stupid. Why did you decide to do this? Yeah. Take like an easier route, but yeah. I like it. I love it. Yeah. Like today I had a traffic field study out today for the first time and I was there all being a geek and happy and smiling <laughs> in the middle of the road. Um, what is a traffic field study? So today we were actually tracking the turning movements of cars in different lanes. So we're at an intersection. So we were counting whether the car decides to take a left turn or right turn, go straight or a four-way intersection and then determine what's the worst traffic time and use that data and compare it to previous years to see if anything has changed. If it is bad, the, you, the traffic engineer would then try to find a way to reduce that congestion period. So that was a little snippet of what I got to do today. And it was pretty fun because that's what I, that's part of what I want to do. Yeah, that sounds fun. So what what do you ultimately uh, want to do? What career do you see? I mean, I know civil engineering, but what does that mean? What what job okay. do you want? <laughs> so um, the role as a civil engineer, how I like to look, of it, look at it when I explain to people is basically the person that ensures that you are comfortable in the world. Um, that's the person that's going to make sure the roads are fine for you, that make sure the bridges are fine, that make sure your water is running, to make sure that when you go on the plane, it take, well, not go, not the plane taking off, because that goes into like the mechanicals and get time yeah. for that. But making sure flow of traffic and even trains are operating, not operating, but flowing properly, going the right directions. 
um, making sure the planning and zoning is in order, making sure that you're not mixing a, an industrial area with a residential area. Uh, so basically, all of that makes up a civil engineer. I want to get into more so of transportation traffic engineering under the civil engineering discipline, which will then deal with like traffic flows, will deal with like um, having free flows in the lanes, deciding whether or not we need to remove traffic lights, deciding whether or not we need to put them there, put roundabouts, put overpasses, move them, add medians, things like that. Reduce the speed, Fun. increase the speed. Yeah. Okay, so in the Bahamas or here? <laughs> Trick question. So <laughs> I want to start off here because I honestly feel that I would get more experience being here and then go home and fix the, fix the problem. Yeah. So yeah. that's my plan in my head to get as much experience as I can being here and then return home and be like, okay, look, here's my papers. This is what I did. Let's move forward. Versus yeah. the home, like, okay, teach me. <laughs> teach me, yeah. Well, and then in the Bahamas, you've got issues too, like in some areas of the U.S. where you would have flooding issues, um, mm -hmm. you know, the different well. kind of grades mm -hmm. of dirt, sand. I mean, mm -hmm. those kind of things mm -hmm. would, would come into play as well. All of that. So, like you said, if it goes to soil, then it goes to soil mechanics that goes into like the geomatics of it all. And then you have the hydrology of the all that comes under a civil engineer's belt. Especially, like I said, in the Bahamas, we have flood zone areas. You'd have to determine how do you design buildings for certain like um, storms, whether it's like a five-year, ten-year storm. So all that comes into play, whether you need to excavate, whether you need to fill, all of that. Yeah. And the Bahamas has kind of changed over the years of, of trying to do that more um, than maybe they did in some of the early hurricanes and storms. So they're trying, like, you remember the fishing hole road? Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. So right now there's a bridge instead there now. So they're making little strides towards trying to prepare for hurricanes as best as they could. Yeah. Because more, the Bahamas is basically below sea level. So whatever that could be, whatever that can be done, I, I think <laughs> they are trying to implement new strategies i don't know but that's why i want to get as much experience as i can here and then go home ultimately i want to be home yeah yeah well um all right so while you're here mm -hmm. uh do you travel very much is that something i know that traveling within the bahamas i mean going from one end of the island to the other is a huge deal to y'all I remember we did that and y'all were like, oh, did you plan for that? And we we're like, mm, it's kind of not any further than going from where we live to Montgomery. But so there's a different mindset. So have you been able to integrate the hopping around? It's a little more difficult to travel around here. But I mean, um, have yeah, you seen yeah it is because like back home, like you say, and even so going from one end to the island to the other, it's probably like an hour-long drive, if that much. Yeah. Now that you're older, you're like, geez, that's it? Yeah. And here and I, when I tell people, I'm like, oh, I'm going to Arkansas to see my brother. Like, how long was the drive? I'm like, five hours. Like, five whole five hours. hours. Yeah. Yeah, it's five hours. I'm going to see my brother. Yeah. But 
since I've been here, I've been to yeah, I've been to Georgia twice since I've been here. One was to Savannah, and the other one I went to Atlanta. Um, I've been to Mississippi. Uh, where else have I been? The other day, uh, I went on a road trip to go pick up Tavia from during the whole COVID period. I went on a road trip to pick up Tavia from Virginia. Oh wow! So, and that's yeah. a drive. And never again. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was an experience for me as well. So I guess I'm, you know, branching out, getting a little bit more comfortable. Well, you need to come to Alabama. Yeah. So, yeah, mm-hmm. they, um, came, your family came through here mm-hmm. to, when they were on their way to get you. Right. Do you feel like that you're accomplishing the, the goals that, that you set for Jade as a young girl? I feel now I feel that I am. I feel that I am now. Um, obviously, I'm not the same Jade I was when I graduated from high school in 2011. Like, yeah. I can see like tremendous growth. Like, even things that would get me upset, I would just roll off my shoulder and I'd be like, whatever, it ain't even worth it. But the way how I handle certain situations as well. Mommy always used to tell me as a child growing up, you are a child, but I need you to think like an adult. And (laughs) I can hear her say that. (laughs) But, and that would always stick with me. I'm like, okay, I'm a child. (laughs) And that, that has helped as well too. But I do feel that I am getting in that right direction of where I want to see myself career wise um spiritually wise always a work in progress i won't even say i'm there because i'm not so always a work in progress in that regards and what helps with that is having accountability accountability partners um ah it'll let you know becca (laughs) becca don't know she keep me in order but becca's keeping me in order um (laughs) becca and i would text every blue moon Every, I wouldn't even say every blue moon. I think me and Becca probably would talk quite a few times in a month where they'd be like, hey, this is what happened and pray for X, Y, Z. Or, hey, just wanted you to know, blah, 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 blah. Or, hey, have a nice day. Yeah. So that has helped also knowing like, uh-oh, Becca's coming. I need to make sure that. <laughs> and especially when it's like when someone even requests press from you, you want to make sure that you are aligned in a way where you could actually say, okay, yeah. I'm going to pray for this and don't be like, oh my goodness, I can't pray for this because I've did X, Y, Z. So in that regard, yeah. Well, that's pretty good. That's pretty good because I think that y'all's age group is probably that young adult um, while you're in school is, is tough to check yourself. And then as you get out of school and you've had those periods out Mm-hmm. of where you're not around people that are like you that are thinking like you that you're you know to find the friends is so very difficult um whereas when you were in grade school high school those kinds of things everybody's doing the same thing so you're pretty much just herded through um what about let's go here what about dating relationships what's that's like for jade <laughs> Or what are your um, thoughts on relationships? It's ruffling in these streets. Um, <laughs> what is that like? 
I would say it's non-existent right now. There are a few guys that I've been texting back and forth, but nothing concrete per se. Yeah, so nothing, I would say, and this, this is how best I'll put it. There's nothing worth me sharing about it publicly. Yeah. But do you have kind of a standard in your head? Do you have a process that you go through? I mean, I know sometimes my girls say, Mm-mm, our dogs are just fine. <laughs> and, and, you know, I mean, there's some goals and some standards that you put there for yourself. Do you, mm-hmm. have you done that? I mean, I remember I back. Because everyone that does come along, I'm like, you got this, but you don't have this. And I'm like, ain't even worth it. And then one of the previous guys I've dated, broke up sometime last year that actually I did post about it. Everyone knew about, like I, the expectation, what I had, it wasn't there. I felt like I was trying too hard to get the attention. And I was like, no, it's not supposed to be like this. So because of that, everyone now who does come to me, I'm like, I don't care. It's whatever. You ain't gonna get to me that easy and cost me the break. No. Um, but because coming from a Christian home, of course I want it to be someone that's Christ oriented. I need someone that's driven and focused. Um, I was talking to one of my friends the other day and I'm like, also, I don't want to date someone that I still have to kind of push to get to their goal. I don't want that anymore. And so it's kind of me trying to find someone. I don't need you to have it all together, but at least know what you want and what strides are you making to get there yeah um as i become closer to even graduating with my degree my biggest fear is that people will now try to come along and be like oh you got your degree now let me talk to you like no (laughs) (laughs) uh so i don't know i guess i don't even know what i want i don't know so but it does sound like you do know what you want i mean you you don't want to subtract from your own goals so somebody else can reach theirs I mean, right. when, when it, when it's right. And when the relationship comes together, uh, somebody asked me the other week, um, Tom and I have a pretty good relationship, pretty good marriage. And one of the factors that I could point to them was if I am busy taking care of him and he is busy taking care of me, we both are taken care of, but right. we were complete and whole beings before we came together. So you weren't having to build and mold this person. Mm-hmm. You, you already were. Now that right. doesn't mean we were solidly in our careers and lives and we weren't parents. And of course we've changed and evolved, but, um, but to think that you'll take one person and make them into something different. Right. Is a no go. Right. So, well, no rush, no rush. But what would you tell a 15-year-old Jade? 15-year-old Jade, that was in the 11th grade. Um, try to live in the moment and not so plan, but don't get all caught up in the planning. Like, understand that things are not going to go your way. Live in the moment, enjoy life but don't get too caught up in the whole planning aspect of it. Cause I think that's where I went wrong because I was like graduating 17. 
I'm going to get my degree at 21. I'm going to be having my house. I'm going to have a husband. Like I had it all planned out. And I said that I'm going to get this much um, national examinations. I'm going to have this GPA, get that, go to college, do this, do that. None of it worked out. And so if I were to speak to 15-year-old Jade, it would be live in a moment, enjoy your life, don't get too caught up in planning. That's what I would say. I'd say that's pretty good advice. Don't be reckless, of course, but... Yeah. Well, there are consequences to everything. So mm -hmm. talk to me about social media. How has that... I mean, you've come along in that era of social media have you seen it as a destructive force or have you um just embraced it and and dealt with it responsibly or mm -hmm. have you just seen some things along the way that you're like whoa warning warning um i don't think social media is destructive i think the persons behind social media can be destructive i say that to say it all comes down to how you were raised and brought up like I was talking to Tavia the other day and I'm like, you know what I don't like seeing? She's like, what? And I was just ranting one night. She's like, what? I'm like, when people are on social media posting subliminal messages and arguing going back and forth, I hate seeing that. She's like, yeah, you're right. I myself would never do that. Social media, like I say, it's not social media, it's the person that are on social media. At the end of the day, we are the ones pressing the button, pressing the button posting the pictures. I'm only going to post what I want you to see. I'm only going to share what I want you to know. If I don't feel like liking your picture or comment, I will not. If I don't want to see you on my status because I think I don't like you, have a problem with you, you're not going to be my friend. Um, it's as simple as that for me. Now, the problem I have with social media <laughs> is it becomes a bit time consuming when I could be doing real productive stuff. I'm scrolling social media, getting me kicking laugh over stuff. Um, I had to deactivate my Facebook a few times so I don't become so reliant. Because sometimes it'd be every two seconds. Oh, Jay, just check your phone about five minutes ago. What are you doing? So I had to deactivate my Facebook. I'm back now because I think I have a better control on it. Um, I only use Instagram. I love Instagram. <laughs> um, Facebook here and then. It's a good way for me to keep in contact with people. I've yeah. been blessed to live in a few different countries. When I say countries, the Bahamas, Turks and Caicos are now here. But I've been blessed to live in a few different countries. And with, even within the Bahamas, I spend time in Nassau and I spend time in Grand Bahama. And so it's a way for me to keep in contact with those persons. I'll probably gain one friend from, at least one friend from each place that I'll stay, like one true friend yeah. I've gained. And I'm thankful for that because through social media, I'm able to see what they're up to, what they're doing. And so, yeah, I wouldn't knock social media at the end of the day. We're controlling it. So we have to know how to be disciplined and deal with it. Yeah. Well, um, when people talk about the Bahamas, and especially here, when we go, oh, I'm going to the Bahamas, people see that as um, luxury pure luxury that's all we know about the bahamas here but that's not what you know so can you talk a little bit about that about the perception that we have and what the lives are are truly like mm -hmm. so there are two perceptions people have of the bahamas they do have the luxury life they do have that down back and then they do have the oh 
they ride the dolphin slide. And I'm like, no, come on. Like, you have two extremes. Just how you have um, <laughs> the poverty parts of the country here. We have poverty parts as well home. Um, in the Bahamas and Grand Bahama, I don't live in a poverty area, but I also don't live in a high-class area. I live in Eight Maroc. It's a government area that the Port Authority has no control out of. So, yes, the streets, are, I mean, the, the houses are going to be different. The yards are going to live different because it's not the same governing body. Um, I didn't always have my own room. For a long time, Paige and I shared rooms. It came a point, even after one of the hurricanes, we had to move in with Auntie Betty because we didn't have a house. So we had to move in, and that's mommy, daddy, kids of the school at this point. Mommy, daddy, um, and me. I was like, who's next? Who's next? <laughs> mommy, daddy, and me, we all had to stay by Auntie Betty in a room. And then eventually we were able to move into an efficiency apartment and Uncle Sherlin's apartment. And so imagine four people living in an efficiency. Mm-hmm. That's that's difficult. Um, Paige was an adult at that point. I was, yeah, I was in high school. Paige was coming back and forth from college. Mommy was working, daddy was working. I can't imagine how difficult that has been for mommy and daddy to even have their two children there living there. But it was also, once again, you guys were so close in arguments and how we get over it. We've been together all our lives and literally up in each other's business. <laughs> so <laughs> that also helped and motivated us. It helps me now to be more appreciative. Me and Paige joke around all the time saying how before we move into the house we're at, we're in now where we have our own room, we have our own spaces, we can close our door and be like, don't come around me. Um, we didn't have hot water. We had to literally boil water <laughs> and when we went to bed, boil water and pour it in a bucket and then go in the tub, pour the bucket, the hot water in the tub and mix it with the cold water. We didn't have a shower uh, either at one point. Like, so it's the little things like that where it's like, okay, this is where you came from, this is where you're at now, but it allows you to have a more humbling experience, a more thankful experience. Um, I'm able to rough it. I can rough it. If I have to rough it, I can rough it because of where I came from. So, yeah. Well, and, and we have some of those experiences too. I mean, the... Um, you know, a lot of people have their own homes, own bedrooms and everything, but the, uh, at one point we lived in a, a much smaller house and, and I wanted room. I wanted so much room. And I can remember our youth children's youth minister. That was like my best friend told me, Amy, if you had the room where all the children were off in their own space, you wouldn't hear what was going on Right. this way. You are a part of mm-hmm. everything. And that's what your parenting needs to be right now. So it, it kind of gave me a different, I mean, we had more room, we had high ceilings. So we had more room from floor to ceiling than we did from wall to wall. So it was a tight, tight spot, but, um, but those are growing experiences. And I think that when people come to the Bahamas, I mean, do y'all, you embrace tourists or how do you feel about tourists? So, of course, I'm from the Bahamas. We love tourists because tourists help keep the economy growing. So we welcome tourists. 
Um, I think tourists, some tourists don't get the full experience and I think they would actually enjoy having the full experience. Oh, yeah. Like you guys, you didn't just come in, stay at hotels. Yeah. So yes, have your luxury, luxurious hotel experience, but also get to know, and this was for any country, get to know the country in, in the whole, like drive down West Bend to see what's happening. <laughs> experience good have someone toy you around but then again not all tourists are fortunate enough to actually have homegrown folks like us to show yeah. them around and tell them about it and so i understand why there is a need to want to stay in the tourist areas as well yeah yeah i mean uh, if you talk to any of the boys that were on any of our trips you would find out that one of the first things they did was have the conch shell um that they were told do not have this is not safe for you and of course no was it barracuda they went looking oh for? the barracuda yeah barracuda yeah yeah mm -hmm. not the conch shell but of course they had that too but but they went looking for the barracuda of yeah. course because they were told they shouldn't yeah and so. in, in, in actuality yes barracuda can be poisoned but it's my favorite fish so i'm always going to risk it <laughs> well they risked it and they loved it and they'll mm -hmm. tell you today that was right their favorite things so but um well we have been all over the place in talking but is there anything that we haven't mentioned that you want to make sure that that you do make sure we cover uh let's see let's see let's see let's see i don't think so i think we covered all bases family school growing up my church life uh a little bit of the dating life yeah well i do want to go into one thing mm -hmm. church in the bahamas and church in the states are different so um i know that that that's different so how have you embraced that what have you how have you done i mean now you can kind of virtually see church mm -hmm. in the bahamas but um but how do you feel about that okay so that was another cultural shock for me when I first came here, of course, I come from a Pentecostal church, speaking in tongues, you run, you jump, you, you express yourself verbally, physically express yourself. Um, when I came here, I was looking for something at least closer to it. And at first, I started attending our um, Baptist student ministries on campus. And I was telling them that, okay, I'm, I'm from the Bahamas, um, I'm looking for a church. And the first church I started attending, it was a nice church, but it wasn't for me. <laughs> I attended there for about my first semester. Like I say, it was a very nice church. Everyone was really, 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 really nice. The college grand ministry was great. It just wasn't something that I was comfortable or used to. No, not to the church. It's just that I wasn't used to it. Right. And so by my second semester, um, like I said, I had like, couple a few other bohemians here and she was like hey come go church with me and she invited me to her church it was a well mixed church it was a balanced church if you know what i'm meaning it was yeah. um, it was a balanced church for me and i'm like oh they look like me oh she sounds like me she does what i do but he also he does things differently as well too and for me that's what sold me at that church the diversity in the church and so that's part of the reason why I decided to go to the church that I'm at now. And I would hear the pastor speak in tongues. 
I would have them have interpretations in the church. And I'm like, oh my God, I feel like I'm home. But that's what that's what sold it for me versus the first church. Like I said, there was nothing wrong. They there was nothing wrong with the first church. Right. It's just it finding just, your place. Right. Yeah. So that's what it was for me. Yeah, it is it is different. And it's um sometimes we're very, very reserved and and closed in our worship mm -hmm. and um, but, but with COVID, we've had quite a, a difference mm. of, um, you know, what, what you did and what is available. And, and in a way it's been a little interesting because you could kind of dip into a lot. You could, everybody kind of had things online that you could go, Oh, uh -huh. I want to see what they're mm -hmm. doing. And mm -hmm. so that's been kind I, of, a yeah, nice. I joke around with PHP, probably attend three, four services every Sunday. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Hey, fill your cup, fill your cup. <laughs> so I do want to ask one other thing. Um, and, and we don't have to go into this if you don't want to, but um, in our country right now, we have dealt with so much mess and turmoil and conflict. And do you find yourself sometimes getting drawn into that? Um, you know, skin color is a big topic and issue and, and I mean, I don't know with, with Bahamians and I mean, I can remember when we went to downtown Montgomery, mm -hmm. you were, y'all were appalled, especially your mother. I can remember your mother just sounding off on the behavior of some of the people that we were going to. And, and it was like, no, she, she was saying, this is not who we are. This is not what we are. But then yet mm -hmm. you could have a different voice than say I could because of my white skin. So we were able to work together in a different kind of way that I've really never experienced since. Mm -hmm. So uh, do you find yourself getting drawn into any of the conflict that, that we are experiencing? Um, interesting you brought that up because like I said, I was young during the whole missions trips, but I was also able to understand a few things here and there. And that's when I guess, it would actually show me the black and white. I didn't know. I mean, I knew it existed, but I didn't yeah. know to that extent that, oh, why can't they come here? It's okay. What's the problem? You know? But um, being a Bahamian and seeing all of this going on, I won't say that I am desensitized to all of it. It does hurt seeing, because it really, it does hurt seeing what's happening in the social media. But I also have to be careful because I was not born here in America, so I don't know exactly the frustration that the African-American culture is experiencing. I don't know the, I don't, I don't know, I, I haven't experienced it. So in the Bahamas, everyone is black. <laughs> yeah. Black, there's no racism in the, I wouldn't say there's no racism in the Bahamas, but everyone is the same skin color, not everyone, but generally everyone is the same skin color in the Bahamas. So Yeah, so you haven't had to deal with that aspect. I haven't had to deal Just with other it. aspects. But seeing what's going on now, I try to stay away from it and not get into those conversations. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I don't like getting into the back and forth with it all either. It's more so of, for me, I don't understand why one race would treat another race a different way. I don't just like 
I don't understand like the mindset, like how do you get to that point to allow this to happen? Yeah. So for me, it's like, I just don't understand why. Like, like it shouldn't have to be that difficult and complicated. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I totally agree. And I, I think that, um, I don't know, it, that's a, it's a tough, tough discussion. And mm -hmm. if um, I try to understand where people are coming from and, and probably the only way that I can kind of even make a little even skip into understanding someone being treated differently is that sometimes Isaac doesn't look like the, the clean cut, <laughs> you know, not going to hurt you kind of guy. Mm -hmm. And so there's an automatic different approach that people take toward him mm -hmm. just because of how he looks. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I say that in all love and support of my son, but, mm -hmm. um, but I mean, you know, he's got the little ponytail, he's got mm -hmm. the tattoos, he, mm -hmm. he's a fighter. So, you know, and, and he and I were off one time and he had just been in a, had a, a, a fight match and he had gotten his eye split. And so he had stitches mm -hmm. and he had on a hoodie and he truly looked like somebody that could have been hanging out on the street. Mm -hmm. And I felt the different feelings and approaches that people were having toward him. Mm -hmm. So I can only magnify that by a million and, mm -hmm. and come to, to that conclusion. But, but when you're coming into a whole new country, it's like, you know, mm -hmm. but, but you made a comment earlier that, that you, found yourself having more african-american friends than any other not, not african-american literally africans oh african okay so literally drawn towards others that were mm -hmm. not from this country mm -hmm. so that's kind of interesting where you come here and you wind mm -hmm. up with friends from afar mm -hmm. why do you I think i felt that bad about that too i'm like wait why is it so like i know like i told you i'm a very conservative i'm very i'm an introvert on first I'm, like i'm really quiet i say to myself yeah so being here is like okay i come here to go to school i sit down i don't talk to anybody but being in my classes for one being a female being a black female in civil engineering yeah you're already a minority right. just being a female going in that door Right. So it's like, okay, there are about three or four black people in here. And the only friend I've made was the African one. Or I meet these different people, but the only persons that I would hang with are people from a different country. Um, most recent, and I, I felt bad about it. Wait, so why did no one be friends with me? <laughs> but I mean, I get over it. Yeah. Um, and I think it's because we are so much we're relatable to each other coming from a different country. Um, having even although like we're like I said, we're from different parts of the world, we have similar things in common with each other. Um that was one of the reasons also why I don't know if you know I joined a sorority. I joined a sorority in fall twenty nineteen. Um, one of the African-American sororities. That was part of the reason why I decided to join as well, to have that kind of bond, mm -hmm. to have like a, 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 a 
a community of, of a sisterhood as well being here because i'm like wait you're here by yourself i always yeah. wanted to join but that was like okay get it done because you can be here sitting by yourself in these rows in these walls not doing anything and it was also an outlet for me to as well help others because you know that was deeply rooted in me from i was a baby so that's part of why i joined the sorority as well so the only let's say the only caucasian friends i have here at this moment would be about one or two persons i work with and that's because we're at work and we have to talk to each other all the time, every day. And so one or two of them, I would hang outside of work with them. And that is about it. Yeah. So do you think that joining the sorority did take you out of those four walls? It did. <laughs> yeah. It, it did a bit. It did a bit because it forced me to talk to people. Like it forced me to interact with persons it forced me to go out even before that i homeschooled church i was it that was yeah. it for me yeah and so now it's like hey let's go do this and i'm like um maybe like no let's go like okay. yeah yeah jay do you sound so much like becca i mean i would say i can't think of many parents that would say please go to a party stop studying oh, oh. Yeah. Well, okay, this has been really great. So anything that you want to add? Thank you for having me and thank you for being a part of my life and my family. Oh, amazing. Of course, you know, we love, 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 love you all. Oh, we love you guys too. <laughs> and just consider it an absolute joy. And I would issue a challenge to all of the listeners if they have not stepped out of their own culture and gotten to know someone of another mm -hmm. culture from another country with completely different mm -hmm. ways of doing almost everything mm -hmm. um, and, and become good enough friends so that you can look at that person and go, what, what are you doing? And, right. and completely accept the, the exchange. Um, I would challenge because it has certainly made our lives richer mm -hmm. for sure. So, um, so got one more question for you. If you had a superpower and you were able to use it personally in your family, friends, school, future career, what would that, um, superpower be? How would you use it and why? Oh, let's see. Superpower. I think it'll be teleporting. I think it would be um, teleporting. Um, why, how I would use it. I don't want to sound selfish saying this, but for me, it'll be just going back to my family whenever I feel like it. Um, and if I could get others to go wherever they want to go as well, sure, why not? <laughs> <But mine's, laughs> you made it yeah, not yeah, selfish. Come on, let's go. But mine would be, I guess, being able to teleport to wherever I want to go, especially going back and forth to home. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> Jay, it's been a pleasure. I'm Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. My yellow brick road and I stomp to the beat of my own drum. I got my pockets full of dreams and they're busting at the seams going boom, boom.
Find Stacked Keys Podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes, or anywhere you get your favorite podcast listen. You'll laugh out loud, you'll cry a little, you'll find yourself encouraged. Join us for casual conversation that leads itself based on where we take it, from family to philosophy to work to meal prep to beautifully surviving life. And hey, if I could ask a big favor of you, go to iTunes and give us a five rating. The more people who rate us, the more we get this podcast out there. Thanks. I appreciate it.